there are legends round here, even if only in their own minds. Forgotten, but not dead. Some have tried to stop them, but they keep coming back, coming to entertain you. They are the Crystal Lake Soldiers. Welcome back to another episode of the Crystal Lake Soldiers podcast. Um, we are on episode four, so we've made it a full month so far. Um, I'm Isaiah. Um, tonight I'm joined by Ted. How are you doing, Ted? I am doing fantastic, my friend. Fantastic. Awesome. So Sean and Mark are out for this week. Um, they had things going on. So me and Ted are handling and holding the fort down here. Um Summer's coming to an end. Yep. Yep. Poor. Poor it's, kids having to go back to school. Right. And it seems like summer's just gone by way too quick. It it just seems like... It did. I swear to God, it, it feels like just a couple weeks ago, it was like fucking Christmas. And all of a sudden, we're at the end of fucking August. But you know what that means... We're getting closer to the Halloween season. That's for sure. And there's there's plenty coming up um, this Halloween season. That's that's for damn sure. Um, oh, yeah. Speaking of Halloween, um, kind of to start things off for tonight, a little bit of... It's not necessarily news, but it's just um, kind of a, a word that's gone around is um, Tom Atkins recently did an interview. And for those that don't know, Tom Atkins is an actor He's been in um, numerous movies, uh, most notably for the horror community, um, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, and then also uh, Night of the Creeps. Um, he was talking about, you know, because the you know Halloween kills and Halloween ends that are coming out over the next two years, that he would love to, you know, make an appearance as a cameo in, in one or both of these movies, which I think would be great. I am all for that. We need more mustache in our lives. Right? I mean, Tom fucking Atkins. I mean, who wouldn't want him to be a part of this? I mean, obviously, he's not going to play, you know, the same character he played in Season of the Witch, you know, Dr. Chalice. But, you know, to have him back would be great in any kind of character or anything. I mean, Tom Atkins is always great. You can't get enough of Tom Atkins. Nah, he's wonderful. He's always entertaining to watch. He has that, <clears throat> he has that charisma that not a lot of actors possess. Yeah, you just you're glued to the screen watching him, even if he's in a small role. I mean, a lot of you know some people might not even remember this, but you know he was in Escape from New York. He was in a very small yeah. role in that, but but he was there. And of course, you know he had one of the main leads in The Fog. You mentioned Halloween Three, Night of the Creeps, and he's done a lot of TV also. I remember he did an episode of Xeno Warrior Princess back in the day. For goodness sake, yeah. <laughs> so he's 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 been around. Of course, the My Bloody Valentine remake, which... Yep, definitely. You know, which has already been 10 years now, too. It's hard to oh, believe, God. but yeah. Time just needs to stop flying so much. 
But yeah, I mean, that would be great if Blumhouse, you know, Universal and all of them can get him on board. I mean, he wants to do it, so why not yeah. bring somebody from the past in a new role? I mean, we've all heard about um, Danielle Harris wanting to do the same thing, you know, come back and, and everything. But I think I'd, I'd rather see um, Tom Atkins um, definitely come back. As, as, yeah, as much as I love Danielle Harris, yeah. I, I don't know how you can incorporate her, just her saying. I mean... I mean, I know in the new in the new movie, you know, since they've wiped everything after part one from uh, the continuity, so you could, you know, and they mentioned that Lori was married what twice. She's she's been yep. divorced twice. So I guess I guess you could say that if they did bring in Daniel Harris, they could say she's a daughter from first marriage. But I don't know. I, I'm I I'd like to see Tom Atkins back. He could be like an old colleague of Doctor Loomis or something. And that would be cool. I mean, you know, that yeah. I mean, so. It would work better for Tom Atkins than for uh, Daniel Harris. Definitely for sure. Um, I, I, like I said, I love Danielle. Yeah, I love Danielle. Don't get me wrong. She's a fantastic oh, actress. She is very, I mean, she's one of the best actresses that only, usually like only the horror community really knows about. You don't hear yeah. anybody, any mainstream talking about her, but she's better than, in my opinion, she's better than most of the mainstream actors that, you know, they get role after role after role and, it's just like, well, they can't, you know, I don't know why <laughs> they can't yeah. act to me, but she can actually act. But Exactly. And she's one of the nicest people you could ever meet, too. I mean, you know, she does mm-hmm. all these conventions and stuff, and everybody just, you know, has nothing but nice things to say about her. I mean, she's she's a great person. She's a great actress. And if, if she were mm-hmm. to end back up in, in the Halloween franchise in some shape or form, <laughs> pun there, um, it, it would be great. <laughs> but, you know, at the same time, I... For me personally, I would just much rather see Tom Atkins more than Daniel Har- Daniel yeah. Harris. But I mean, if we got both, that would be great too. I wouldn't complain if we got both. I mean, just <laughs> I would not complain. Right. Um, you know, speaking of Halloween, um, you know, PJ Souls, you know, who was uh, Linda in the original Halloween, um, she's in a new uh, horror movie that's actually coming out here in September. Um, with that, she stars in with Tony Todd. Um, the movie's called Candy Corn. It's basically it kind of takes place during, uh, you know, the Halloween season. Um, there's a Halloween haunt that comes, you know, um, through town. It's like a weekend event or whatnot. And um, basically what happens, there's this, this kid who gets bullied every year, you know, by obviously these bullies. And it goes too far this year. And then, you know, the kind of the, the tagline um, for this is that um, on Halloween, the dead are free to walk the earth. So, you know, of course, nice. shit ensues and stuff after, you know, stuff happens. And you can see all this in the trailer. I'm not spoiling anything. This is all in the trailer. Yeah. You know, somebody, you know, does this. I don't know if it's seance or whatever the fuck it may be. And then, of of course, shit starts happening. People start dying and lots of gore, lots of blood, that kind of thing. So it, it it's good kind stuff. of, you know, just your typical, you know, Halloween movie. It looks good. It, it doesn't look bad. Um, I'm sure people are going to either probably love it or hate it. You know, I mean, I me, I find with myself for movies, I'm not that hard to please, so I'm, I'm probably going to enjoy it. Uh, I'm probably going to check it out. It's, it's coming out um, September 13th for a limited uh, run in the theaters, uh, but it's also going to be followed quickly by a Blu-ray and uh, VO, uh, VOD release on the 17th of September. So right after it's in theaters, it's going to be released on, on Blu-ray and, and video on demand. See anything you like? 
Yeah, candy corn. That's what I like. <laughs> I'm definitely in for that. <laughs> kind of reminds me of The Barn, which was an independent film that um yeah taking place on Halloween. Monsters coming back. Um, not not really the bully, the kid the kid being bullied angle, but yep. Linnea Quigley's in that movie. She has a small role. Um, Ari Lehrman, who's the first Jason, of course he yep. he's in that movie too. So uh, it, it kind of gives me a, a a barn vibe to it. That's okay. that's cool. I, I enjoy stuff like that. It's... Yeah, I think it's going to be a good kind of low budget, you know, Halloween flick, which is kind of what we need. Because, um, yeah, I mean, other than that and Three from Hell, I mean, there's not a whole lot really coming out, mm-hmm. at least for this year, for Halloween season. Yeah. Um, but I, it, it's 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 good that we're at least getting something. It seems like the way things are, a lot of it's in September because yeah. Um, I, I guess uh, I don't know. I'm not a um, what do you call it? You know, my mind just went blank. I can't believe this. I'm not a <laughs> um, accountant. That's the word. Of, accountant. I can't. Believe I'm not an accountant. I don't work for these studios. But maybe there's some sort of revenue thing where, like, you release something yeah. in September, more people are inclined to go than. Or you're you're gonna make more money back? I don't know. I, I mean, it's it's weird. I mean, you know, it's like with um, Halloween Resurrection when it came out two thousand two. That, that was, was in August. That was released. That was in July, actually. Was it? it was in July. Oh, God. Yeah, I remember it was in July because I remember thinking, you're right. Why are they releasing... You're right. It was yeah. in July. Yeah, I was like, why are they releasing a Fuck. Halloween movie in the middle of summer? August. The, I mean, like August was H two O. And, that's that's uh, what I'm that's what I'm thinking of. I, I was thinking of H2O and, coming out in August. Yeah, and both Rob Zombie movies were in uh, August, I believe. Yeah. I know how I, I know Halloween two was, but I can't. I think I think his first Halloween was also. But I in, think so. you know August is like early, but July is really early. <laughs> it's just yeah, like, it's it's bizarre. I don't, so I don't know why they don't. I don't know if they. It can't be competition because they're all being released in the same month. I don't know why right. they're not releasing this stuff in in, in October, but yeah, I don't it, know. it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But I mean, we're getting movies, no. so I mean, you can't really complain. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing to be. Yeah. So, kind of moving on into some more um, kind of collectible news because um, me as a collector, I, I I'm always scouring things, trying to find you know what's new, what's coming out soon. Um, one thing that kind of caught my eye is, and it's kind of horror related, but not really. Um, mm-hmm. now there's this company, um, by the name of NECA. Um, they're big into, you know, creating these, uh, collectible action figures, um, props and different things like that. I mean, they've, they've been around for a long time. They've made everything from, you know, horror movie figures to like um props from like uh you know the friday 13th movies the freddy movies um you know they've released you know uh mold molded masks uh for like the jason masks so they've released like part three part four um they released part five um they've released jason x um the remake jason mask freddy versus jason i mean they've even done the freddy gloves so they've done um the the remake glove uh which i've bought and um they've also uh done the um the original nightmare glove from the first movie as well as dream warriors so they've done a lot of things 
Um, they, uh, so they have a big presence on, on the convention scene, especially with like comic cons and whatnot. And, um, they, they like to do a lot of exclusive stuff, especially for like the comic cons, whether it be San Diego or New York or whatnot. And so, um, in October is coming up, uh, New York comic con and they're doing this set. Um, it's Batman versus, uh, Joker alien figure set. So it's based off of the uh, 1997 comic mashup from DC and Dark Horse Comics where it was Batman versus Aliens. And so you've got uh, a Batman figure, which looks like it's, you know, straight out of the, the comic books. And then you've got, um, you know, the Xenomorph figure that's molded to be like uh, a Joker version of it. So like the top of its head is all green. It's got uh, red around its mouth or mouths um, to kind of simulate that and then it's like kind of white too to basically simulate that it's like the joker so it's it's kind of an interesting set it feels like it could be something um that's going to be for some people it's not definitely not going to be for everybody it's definitely unique um but i, th- I mm-hmm. thought it looked pretty cool <clears throat> i regret not getting because uh, i don't really co- i don't collect figures but i do regret not getting their uh nes jason because <laughs> i still have my nes game the Friday Thirteenth NES game. Oh, um, so that that, that, is, that is one thing I regret not buying. Well, that would be cool. That's something you can actually get right now. They they sell them ex- exclusively at GameStop. Um, they they oh. basically re-released the um, the Nintendo Jason and the Nintendo Freddy, and the Jason oh, one nice. still plays the music when you open the box, just like the the exclusive one from San Diego Comic Con. So it's it's mm-hmm. basically the same thing, just redone, and of course, it obviously doesn't have the, you know, exclusive for <clears throat> San Diego Comic Con or whatever on it, obviously, because it's a reproduced figure. But yeah, it still has yeah. everything that it had, and it actually has more stuff and more detail, and it has the music that plays when you open the box, which is awesome. Because I I bought that yeah, um, that's really cool. I bought that in May because they released them in May, and. Oh, I'm I'm glad I got them because I finally got them. It's been a long time because I've I've been wanting both of them and I missed out on both of them. I don't think the Freddy was an exclusive, but I just never got it when it was originally released. And so, um, mm-hmm. I definitely picked up both of them. The boxes look cool, um, just because they 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 look like the fucking Nintendo boxes, you know, that they're in, which is great too. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, people can crap on that game. I I really enjoy the NES Friday Thirteenth game. Oh god, I played the shit out of that game as a kid. Yeah, I, 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 I fucking it. wore that cartridge out. <laughs> I still have mine. It still works. Oh it's wow. Fun. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I wish I had the Nightmare on Elm Street NES, but I, I never owned that one. I only had to only got to rent it when I was a kid. Okay. That was my <laughs> first video game. That was. The, oh, it was. Nice. Let me let me rephrase that. That was my first video game, but it was my first video game that I bought personally. So I remember oh, okay. going into Funkoland, which is the precursor to GameStop, you know, because they mm-hmm. they turned into GameStop. I went in there, saw that game, and I, I it was Allowance or something like that, and that was the first game I bought, and I was so happy that I bought that thing. Because that was another one I ended up playing a lot, too, was um, the Nightmare on Elm Street one, because that one, of, of course, because Freddy, Freddy the Nightmare on Elm Street series is my favorite series of all of them. So, yeah, I, I fucking played the shit out of that game. <laughs> but um kind of staying along with NECA here and and horror figures another uh horror figure um that they're getting ready to release because um 
kind of a little bit of a backstory with their figures and stuff because they've been making a lot of figures for a lot of years. And um, in recent years, um, they moved away from like the what do you call it? The clamshell packaging, um, you know, the mm-hmm. plastic packaging and with just like a piece of paper, cardboard thing on the inside of it. Um, and they started, um, well, not only that, but with their figures, cause they started putting more articulation in the figures and putting different props in, in the boxes with them. And they're basically labeled them as ultimate figures. And so they've been doing these ultimate figures, um, for probably about four, four or five years now. Uh, I think their first ultimate figure was the um, Nightmare on Elm Street 1 Freddy. I think that was the first one that they started doing. So they've done a bunch of the Freddy Kruegers. Um, they've done a bunch of the Jasons, too. I mean, they've got everything from um, Baghead Jason, you know, Part 3 Jason, Part 4, uh, Part 5 Dream Sequence Jason. Um, yeah, Part 6 Jason. Um and they've got a couple others coming out too. They've got a, a Roy Burns figure coming out finally for part five to go nice. along with the dream sequence one. Finally. Um, yeah, Roy exactly. Some love. They've got a remake one too. So they got the remake uh, Jason and the Freddy versus Jason Jason that they just released recently. Um, so I picked up all of them except for the, uh, the Roy Burns one. Cause that one's hasn't released yet, but um mm-hmm. Last year, they for Halloween 2018, um, they released, obviously, Michael Myers. Um, and it's been the first Michael Myers figure that they've done in quite a while. And so um, they released that. That was huge. I mean, that one was kind of hard to find at first. And then they brought it into Targets and whatnot because um, they've got a partnership with Target. So they I, I found mine there. Um, I actually bought two. I've got one that I took out of the box to display and then I've got one in the box that I was originally going to get signed when I went to this uh, convention down in uh, St. Joseph, Missouri. Um, I never got that signed because I ended up buying a freaking uh, canvas print of the uh, of the Halloween 2018 poster that they released for San Diego Comic-Con. That was rare to find and I had everybody sign that instead. But um, anyways... So they released the Halloween 2018 figure, and then they ended up releasing an an ultimate Laurie Strode figure, which was a big hit too. So not only did we get a you know Michael Myers figure last year, but we also got a a, a Jamie Lee Curtis, actually um, Laurie Strode figure, and so that was a big hit. And so this year, um, in quarter three of 2019, so sometime probably within the next few months or so, they're releasing a Halloween two Michael Myers figure. So this is the Dick Warlock, um, Michael Myers figure, not to be confused with the Tyler Mayne Rob Zombie Halloween two. This is the original Halloween two, and so with this figure, it's it comes with your, uh, you know, it comes in the box with the display and you know the display box and all that. It comes with uh, um, different weapons and stuff. So it's got like a hammer. It's got the syringe, you know, that he used to kill and nice. people with in there. It's got alternate hands, so you can pose it differently if you're displaying it. It's got um, on top of the regular masked head. It's got two alternate heads. So obviously the first head is the blood eyes from when he gets shot in the eyes by Dr. Loomis. So that's one of the alternate heads. And the other one that got me super excited was they are including a Ben Tramer head. 
<laughs> so that's great. <laughs> for the first time ever, you can get a Ben Tramer Halloween figure. I want to get that now just to say I have Ben Tramer. <laughs> exactly. I want to buy two just so I can have one of the regular Michael Myers and one for the Ben Tramer. Because then if you set up a diorama, if you get like a, a model ambulance and a model police car, you could just set it up and recreate that whole scene from <laughs> Halloween 2. And then you'd have something to display. I mean, it's... it's I, I can't wait for that figure. It's going to be fucking awesome. I want a fucking Ben Tramer figure. Or you can get... You, you can take your Laurie Strode figure and recreate the romance that never was. Well, I take that back since... <laughs> Since how ha- ha- since Halloween two technically doesn't exist in these new movies, maybe he's one of the failed marriages. You never hey, know. Now. You never know. You never know. He could have been. <laughs> All I have to say, I guess you say, is hashtag Ben Tramer lives. So. Right. Exactly. He never fucking died. <laughs> that wasn't Ben Tramer in Halloween two. That was his drunken cousin Bud Trailer. <laughs> Bud Trailer. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> Oh, that's good. That is good. Um, so that that's got that got me excited. So that's coming out in the next couple of months. But also, um, because Halloween season is coming around, and Spirit Halloween, obviously one of the biggest Halloween retailers um, around, um, especially now. Mm-hmm. Um, so both NECA and another company by the name of Trick or Treat Studios. Trick or Treat Studios um, is the one that has the license to make like all the halloween based masks um so all the michael myers masks from all the movies they've got the license to do that and they make a lot of other stuff too so both NECA and um trick-or-treat studios actually make a child's play or so trick-or-treat studios makes a a child's play to chucky doll um both okay so um trick-or-treat studios also makes a tiffany and Chucky doll from I believe it's Seed of Chucky. Um, it's either Seed or Bride, one or the other. It doesn't really matter. I mean, it all kind of looks the same. Um, now NECA has um, also um, the license to make their own versions of either Bride or Seed of Chucky, um, Tiffany and Chucky dolls. Um, so those dolls themselves, um, and they're they're like exact scale, so like exactly the scale of what they were in the movies. Um, they range well. Actually, let, let, let's try a little game here, Ted. How much do you think okay. these dolls actually cost from these two companies? I would, if I had to, well, I'd say about. 500 bucks probably because i've seen some that are pretty expensive actually that's that's about what they are uh, it, it ranges yeah, anywhere from like so. four to six hundred dollars um the one from trick-or-treat studios that's the uh, either the Sita chucky or the bride of chucky chucky doll that one's f- mm-hmm. um is either 4.99 or 5.99 one or the other i can't quite remember but anyways it's it's between that that price range of four to six hundred dollars nonetheless oh my so spear halloween I fucking love these guys. They are bringing out their own Child's Play 2 Chucky doll. Granted, it doesn't look nearly as accurate or perfect as, you know, those other studios. Uh But the pricing on this thing is $89.99. 
Wow. And Talk it, about a discount. <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't look that bad. I know a lot of a lot of people are probably going to shit on it because it's not exactly looking like Chucky. But for those of us that can't fucking afford four to six hundred dollars for a fucking doll to have in our collection, you know, yeah. of horror memorabilia, I will gladly take the ninety the ninety dollar fucking doll over those any day. Because I mean, honestly. Mm-hmm. There's enough artists out there that probably that that make these Chucky dolls. Anyways, you could probably find somebody to make you a replacement head for this doll, um, if you wanted to go that route. I'm sure there's probably somebody out there that will probably end up doing that for these these uh, Spirit Halloween dolls. But for those that just want to be ninety dollars and done, it's perfect. It looks it looks fucking awesome. I I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit if it doesn't look exactly like Chucky. It looks close enough that it would pass in just sit, sitting on a shelf in a collection. It's kind of like the old the WWE, you know, they sell those replica titles and they're charging like $2,000 for a replica. Yep. I'm like, get that. I mean, what are they actually using real diamonds for the, for those replicas? And then you got these other people who make <laughs> basically the almost, you know, similar quality for yep. so much cheaper. It's just like, Man, I'll I'll take what's cheaper if it still looks good. Looks good. I mean, jeez. Exactly. So <laughs> that that's kind of you know a little bit of news about what's been going on with like collectibles and stuff because um, some of the stuff is getting me excited, especially with the Halloween two figure um, that that I'm excited. That's going to be awesome for. Definitely. Um, ben Tramer, here I come. Yeah, exactly. Uh, ben, that Ben Tramer. Ed, this is gonna be so he's, awesome. He's wearing one of those stupid Halloween masks. <laughs> he's pretty drunk. <laughs> uh, Let's check his dental records. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, that's great. Spoiler alert for those of you that haven't seen Halloween two, Ben Tramer dies. In a fiery no, blaze of glory. No, oh he doesn't. Hashtag Ben Tramer lives. <laughs> You've already forgotten our hashtag there, yeah, Isaiah. It's I've I've forgotten. Tramer. That's all right. That's all right. So, um, Ted, why don't you tell us a little bit about what's uh, going on with uh, Blu-ray news? Well, boys and girls, sit around the campfire and get ready for some frightastic releases that are coming up in September. Hold on to your butts and make your wallets beg for mercy. (laughs) All right. <laughs> All right. So, uh, September 3rd, we are getting Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, on Blu ray finally for the first time in North America, courtesy of Image Entertainment. Uh, rumor has it, this has not been confirmed, but rumor has it that Image Entertainment is about to lose the rights to the movie. They also released it on DVD some years back. And so, they're, the rumor has it is that they are rushing this release out just to make some money because. Arrow Video released an edition, a special edition over in the UK. Um, it was not region free, it was just region B, and it comes with a documentary and a whole lot of goodies, so there's speculation that uh, if Image does lose the rights to the movie, then Arrow will release roughly that same edition here in North America. Nothing set in stones, just a rumor like I said. But this edition that's uh, Image Entertainment's releasing, it's ten ninety nine on Amazon right now, so eleven bucks. It's cheap. You get the movie. It's in HD. 
I mean, their DVD was really good looking, so I mean, you know, mm-hmm. the blue should be too. Um, I believe the only extra on that is going to be a trailer. But then, two weeks after that, September 17th, Arrow Video is releasing three movies. Uh, first, we'll talk about uh, Who Saw Her Die, which is going to be released in 2K. It's an early Giallo flick. Um, it's going to contain both the English and Italian dubs. Awesome. Uh, titles and credits. Yep. They, I mean, Arrow goes all the way. You have a new commentator by author and critic Travis Crawford. And you're going to have new interviews with the director, Aldo, um, Aldo Lada, uh, Nicoletta Elmi, co-writer Francesco. I, these are Italian names, so I'm butchering them already. So please forgive me, everyone. <laughs> Francesco Barilli, and author and critic Michael McKenzie. Um, you're going to have uh, trailers for both the English and Italian, and you're going to have a poster and uh, a photo buster gallery. Um, one the next release I'm very excited about is Wes Craven's The Hills Have Eyes Part 2. Awesome. Arrow is, yep, Arrow is releasing that in 2K, also on September 17th, and it's a full-blown massive edition. The same thing they did with the original Hills Have Eyes that they released about two years ago. Oh, wow. It's going to have a new audio com- it's going to have a new audio commentary. It's going to have a new full documentary called Blood, Sand, and Fire, which features interview new interviews with Michael Berryman, Yanis Blythe. Of course, they were in the movie. They were the actors in the movies. Um, production designer Dominic Bruno, composer Harry Manfredini, and a unit production manager, first AD, uh, John Callis. Chris, you have a trailer, still gallery. It's going to come with six postcards in this edition, oh, a, a fold-out poster, and a 40-page booklet. Now, Hills Have I- Wes Craven's Hills Have Eyes Part 2 is not the most highly regarded movie, and for good reason. It was basically an unfinished movie, so they really, it really was just rushing the theaters. Yeah, I mean this move, this movie is where the dog has a flashback to the first movie. People, this is what we're dealing with. But the fact that Arrow still gave this movie so much love, you have to respect them for it. Right. I mean, I, I've, I have it. I've pre-ordered it. I can't wait to get it. And then also on September seventeenth, Arrow is releasing a limited edition. A box set of The Prey. That is a slasher movie. Um, Carol Strucken, who played, um, he he's mostly known for playing Lurch in the two Adams Family live action movies with Raul Julio uh, and uh, Angelica Houston. Okay. Uh, this is a it's a two disc limited edition. It's going to contain three versions of the movie: the original U.S. theatrical, the international cut and a composite cut. It's going to have a booklet written by Ethan Kant, and it's going to have just a lot of various interviews um, with the actors and the actresses, and you have an audio interview with the director That's I believe is an archival. So, I mean, it's just full-on. Just Arrow's just knocked out of the park. I mean, I've, I've got those two releases on pre-order, so that's a lot of money already spent in September. Well, the prey, the prey is actually only twenty-eight dollars right now, but okay, it's still, it's still a lot of money though. All, all yeah. together, when you think about it. But next, we have for September twenty-fourth, we have the Child's Play twenty nineteen remake, which I enjoyed, 
and it's going to have, you know, your standard making of uh, bringing Chucky to life, a soundtrack mm-hmm. trailer, gallery, uh, some claymation shorts called one, or t- it's two of them. One's called Toy Massacre, and the other one's called AI Mayhem. Mm. Um, yeah, so you have that. Um, Shout Factory on the 24th is releasing John Carpenter's Vampires. Yes. And <laughs> I didn't know that. That, that is. Oh, you didn't know that? No. Yes, it is coming out September 24th, full-blown special edition. Uh, it's going to have um, a new uh, interview with John Carpenter, Sandy King, cinematographer Gary Kibb, a new interview with James Woods. Oh, Yes, wow. they got him to do a new interview. A new interview with Thomas Ian Griffith, who's the villain of the film. A uh, new interview with Greg Nicotero. new interview with another actor, Tim... Uh, Guini, uh, you have a commentary by John Carpenter, the isolated score, a vintage featurette, mm-hmm. trailer, TV spots, and a still gallery. So it's just full on. They have thrown everything out there, and I believe this is the last Carpenter movie that really needed a that needed a Blu-ray release. All of them have been released on Blu-ray now, from Dark Star to The Ward. Yeah. So this will wow. be kind of a momentous occasion. The the last one that needed a I mean, Twilight Times did release it on Blu-ray, but they don't put anything into their releases. They're just no. they're always they're they're always overpriced limited edition stuff that I just I only have a few of those because I know another company probably wouldn't pick up a movie, but I definitely skipped their Vampires and like Night of the Living Dead. I was like, nah, we'll get it later. Right. Some some somebody else will get it, and I said, Shout Factory put a lot of work into this also, and. Uh, all of films on the 24th is releasing Roger Corman's classic, A Bucket of Blood, in a 4K <laughs> Blu-ray scan. <laughs> and it is a full-blown special edition. You've got a rare prologue from the German release. Uh, you have a Roger Corman interview, theatrical trailer, German trailer, the Super 8 Digest version, which is back in the day when people wanted a movie, they would usually get these... Uh, eight millimeter films which was the movie cut down to just specific links so it's going to include that on the disc it's going to have an interview with uh, dick and laney miller talking about the movie uh you have a visual essay of script to finish a comparison of the script to finish film you have another essay done by calem vat vat gosh i can't pronounce his name vatsdale who uh basically um did the he did the documentary? Was it the documentary or the book? He did. Was the lives of Dick Miller? Uh, you have okay. an archival inter- You have an archival audio interview with the writer Charles B. Griffith. A gallery of newly discovered onset photo uh, photographies. So I mean, they just went all out, and it comes out on the twenty fourth, and that's what I'm really looking forward to also because I love Roger Corman, and A Bucket of Blood is one of my favorite movies of his. A movie that's only like an hour long, it's really great. <laughs> yeah. And then, finally, on September 30th, Vinegar Syndrome has four releases coming out that day. First, we have The Vineyard, which is going to have a 4K scan. And it is going to contain a new interview with the director and actor James Hong and producer-actor Harry Mulk. A new interview with co-director William Rice. New interview with cinematographer John Durlam, and a theatrical trailer. 
then you're gonna then they're releasing Beyond Evil with a 2K scan, and it's gonna have a oh, new wow. interview with the director. Yeah, it's gonna have a new interview with director Herb Freed, new interview with producer David Bond, and a trailer, and they're releasing in 2K Bloody Sect, which is a foreign film. Okay. Uh, I believe it. I believe it's it is a Spanish film, and it's going to have the original Spanish soundtrack included, and it's going to have newly translated English subtitles, and it's going to have a commentary with a film historian and author Kat Ellinger, and finally, one that I'm looking forward to is Pledge Night is getting a 2K scan release <laughs> from them. Good old Pledge Night, that is. That is an acid trip of a movie. It's it's bizarre. Yeah. Like the first half, like the first half of that movie is basically, um, we're gonna say Animal House, and then it just turns into a slasher film. <laughs> so bizarre. <laughs> like halfway through, this was... but um, they are releasing that, and it's gonna have uh, new interviews with the director, the writer, producer, two of the yeah. actors, and it's got a trailer. And so, yeah, so September, as you can tell, is chock full of goodies that we are getting, surprisingly. Surprisingly, some I mean, I never thought Pledge Night would ever get a Blu-ray release, no. much, less a two, <laughs> much less a 2K scan. Right. Like, Holy crap. This is amazing. I just love that artwork of Pledge Night with the hand coming out of the toilet holding the banana. So that, that tells you what type of movie you're, yeah, you're yep. in for if you watch it. <laughs> so Good late 80s shenanigans is what I gotta say. But yeah, so your wallets are gonna be hurting next month if you want more than like two or three of these. So <laughs> Yeah, that's for sure. <clears throat> but that is it for the Blu-ray releases for September. A lot of goodies. A lot of stuff to look forward to, everyone. Good lord, it's it's hard to think that September's almost here. I mean I can't like like I was saying in the beginning. I can't believe how quickly fucking summer went by. I mean, it just literally it feels like we were just talking about because you had just gone on your vacation, you know, from work and whatnot, mm-hmm. and obviously you just recently went back, and it's just yeah. like it it didn't even feel like it was that long of a of a time. No, it didn't. It didn't even feel like I had a vacation because pretty much. Not not a lot has changed either, so it feels like just jumping back into work was just like another day. Right. When I, when I went back, it's just, I mean, because kids are coming back to school, and so I'm just like, eh, it's all, we're all starting again, so. Here we go again. Just, here we go back again. Into the shit. Just, just gotta, just gotta get the paperwork and all that yeah. good stuff done. It is an exciting time, did, I mean. You know, even with summer ending and whatnot, it is an exciting time because Halloween's almost here. Obviously, the holidays are Fall really is good. my favorite time of the year. Yeah. That's what I say. Same. Think. Definitely same. Summer's definitely a close second, though, and that's kind of what we're talking about today is we are talking about movies, uh, specifically horror movies that take place in the summer. Now, we're not going to be discussing like the normal ones that you usually associate with summer. So we're not talking Friday the 13th. You know, obviously being at a summer camp or, you know, that. We're not talking mm-hmm. about I Know What You Did Last Summer because I fucking hate those movies, as we've discussed in the first <laughs> podcast. Um, you know, uh, so those are kind of ones that we're staying away from, the ones that you typically normally 
socialize with, you know, summer, you know, kind of more of the mainstream ones. So we're going, you know, a lot of it's more independent. Um, I'm sure there's going to be probably a few that you have heard of. Um, but these are going to be the top 10 um, horror movies that we've picked um, that have to do with being in the summer. And so this is going to be a kind of a two-part thing. So we're doing part one tonight, um, and then part two will be next week to kind of uh, wrap up and end August on a high note um, and end summer on a high note with the final five uh, selections for our top ten summer horror movies. So to kick things off, we are talking about a wonderful movie from the year 1979 directed by David Schmuller, um, who's famous for Puppet Master, as well as a bunch of short yeah. films. I mean, I, I didn't realize that he didn't really do much you know, movie-wise, other than this movie and uh, Puppet Master, and he really did, like, do a lot of short films, and that was kind of really about it. But we are talking about um, Tourist Trap. Love Tourist Trap. Tourist Trap is one of those movies. Go ahead. Uh, So I was just going to say the best movie about mannequins. It really is, and that was kind of what I was going to talk about to you. It's kind of a weird movie. Um, the first time I seen it, I was kind of like, what the fuck? But at the same time, I love the movie so much and it, it, it just captures so much of it and it's so fucking weird. Um, honestly, you know, Chuck Connors who play, who plays kind of the, the villain in this, uh, Mr. Slauson, um, he plays it just so weird and he's just so kooky and weird. It's, it's, it just makes it so good. Um, this also, and for those of you who don't know, Chuck Connors, um, kind of a little background about him in case you don't know. He was known um, for other movies like Soylent Green, um, Old Yeller, Flipper, Airplane 2. He was also in another summer-based horror movie, um, Summer Camp Nightmare. Um, and he did all the, he, he started doing quite a bit of horror movies kind of um, in his later age, didn't he? Yeah, there, there's a reason for that, too. He mentioned, um, I can't remember who he said this to, but maybe it was his uh, agent or or a fr- friend or whoever, but he said that he wanted to be the new uh, Boris Karloff for the generation growing mm-hmm. up in the late, late 70s, throughout the 80s. That's what he wanted. So that's why he started doing a lot of horror at the towards the end of his career because he yeah. wanted to be, you know, Boris Karloff, essentially. <laughs> right. So um, so you have Chuck Connors that's in this. Um, also, you have a pre-That 70s Show, Tanya Roberts, who's uh, mm-hmm. one of the ladies in this movie, which is great. I I didn't recognize her at first because um, in this she's a brunette, and whereas That 70s Show, she's obviously a blonde. Um, so that well, was interesting. I recognized her. I'm sure you I... did. <laughs> <laughs> surprisingly you know with this movie and and i didn't realize this at first until i started doing more research and i didn't realize it was a pg movie and -hmm. now that i think about it there really isn't a lot of gore in there there's obviously no no nudity and you can based on that you can you can you know in hindsight you can see that okay yeah this is kind of more of a pg movie but at first i you know if you showed it to me like you know i seen it you know going in blind not knowing really anything about it I would have never guess it was PG, you know, at first glance. They were aiming for an R when they made the movie. David Schmuller talks about it on the uh, 
uh, the DVD special features that I have. And um, he uh, mentioned how he was shocked when they got a PG rating, a 7R rating, because he was like, I wouldn't let my kids watch this movie. Right. So it was... So it was it was just a shock to him, and he says that's what killed it at the box office in '79 is because they, um, you know, he's like back then nobody wanted to go see a PG horror movie. People wanted R-rated, you know, R-rated horror movies. They wanted right. this and that, and so that's not what the movie had. The movie has a psychological edge to it. It's really a, I mean, it's a dark movie, but it's got that, it's got like that, I guess you could say a little bit of dark humor into it, especially yep. with Mr. Slouse, especially. I mean, for spoilers, the the reveal, you know, Slauson, it comes off as a kind old man who's just helping them out, and then he, you know, he's like, you know, watch out for my, you know, my, I live with my brother, and he's kind of a, you know, he's kind of crazy, and then you start seeing this figure with this weird mask on, and, yep. but then it turns out that he's, it's Mr. Slauson, he's, he's doing both, and that he ended up killing his brother, and his wife because he caught them in an affair and telekinesis is involved and it, it gets a little wacky but it works so well because the atmosphere everything's so foreboding yes <laughs> and just like when you i mean you feel like you get captured that's it there's no escape it just feels like it's just it keeps piling on the tension you're just like darn yeah speaking of the wackiness um that opening kill for the movie too that that was mm-hmm. that's what really hooked me was that fucking kill um, where the you know the guy gets you know locked in that room and then just shit yeah. just starts being thrown around and then he gets fucking impaled and that's that's the part where I I, I was like I was blown away that it only was PG th- PG when the guy gets impaled by a fucking pole. Yeah. But, yeah, and that that goes back to just no escape. I mean, the door just closes and locks on him, and that's it. Yep. He's trapped, and all that crap starts flying at him. It's a great opening to the movie, and it just lets you, you know, it lets you know this is what we're dealing with. We're not dealing with, with something light here. Yeah. This is, this is something. This is something more devious. Yep. Definitely, and there, there's plenty of stuff in that movie that we could really talk about. I mean, there's, you know, where mm-hmm. the the chicks. Um, um, shackled up down in the the basement and yes. gets her face oh. painted. Oh my god! You want to talk about claustrophobic? Oh. Yeah, and then the Slauson talking is, oh, you're, you you you'll start breathing heavily. You know what his dialogue is like. You'll start breathing heavily, then your heart will start slowing because you're not getting. Just like man, this guy's just freaking evil. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> you're closed off from the world. Everything's dark. Just like oh, jeez, PG a movie so so creepy. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so great. I mean, it's it's so it, it it is cheesy a lot at times, but it's like it is like the perfect summer movie. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I really love this movie, and it's one unfortunately I can't find on fucking Blu-ray anymore without having to spend a couple hundred dollars. Um, because uh, you know obviously yeah. it's it's full moon. Um, is you know the one that produced and, and released this and like you can buy the DVD anywhere. I mean you can buy the DVD for like uh-huh. ten bucks, but I would rather get the Blu-ray. But it's like it's fucking impossible to find. So um, I'm just stuck watching it through Shutter or however else I can fucking watch it for now until I can get the Blu-ray. On on the Blu-ray side, 
the, the Blu-ray is kind of um, it, it's there's like five minutes missing from the Blu-ray that's on the DVD and really? nobody knows why. Yeah, nobody knows why. And apparently we've we've been promised by Full Moon that um, they were going to release a corrected version. I mean, it's been like four years since the Blu-ray came out, but oh, wow. maybe that's why maybe that's why the Blu-ray is no longer available. We might get a replacement for that soon or something. That would make know. sense. So it does it does make sense. Like, I remember when I was watching. That's why I never. I'm glad I didn't get rid of my DVD. But watching the Blu-ray, I was like, this feels a little bit shorter, not too much shorter, but it's like something felt off. Like <clears throat> not not too obvious, but you know, you just like. Eh. And then I read. It's like, oh, five minutes we're missing. It's like that's what I was feeling. That was different. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't think a lot of anything like nothing um, crucial's missing. I don't believe because right. the movie still flows fine. And and David Schmoller, he does a commentary for the Blu-ray, and he doesn't mention. I mean, it's a new commentary he recorded for the oh, Blu-ray, wow. and he does. Yeah, and he didn't mention anything like missing or something like that because he even said like he's. Uh, if I remember correctly, he mentioned on the issue. He said. I had no idea that five minutes were missing. He's like, I made the movie. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, he's like, I just did the commentary. But uh, yeah, <clears throat> maybe um, for people who want to get it on Blu-ray, maybe hold off on spending whatever people are charging, which, like you said, is like, you know, you have to mortgage your house or whatever. Right. Because those scalpers, man, it's ridiculous. It but, is ridiculous mm-hmm. how much these fucking people try to charge for this shit. Just because yeah. it's out of print, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, it costs about half of what people are charging for the fucking Friday the Thirteenth box set. I mean, mm-hmm. you can normally find that for like three hundred dollars now. You know, for the the Blu-ray box set for that. But this one, because yeah. when I was looking at it the other day, uh, I was seeing like a hundred and fifty dollars for fucking Tourist Trap. I mean, I love Jeez. Tourist Trap, but it's definitely not worth a hundred and fifty fucking dollars. <laughs> Yeah, not buy. I'm not paying 150 bucks for that. No, I didn't pay any for the Blu-ray had store credits. So I was like, <laughs> <laughs> so I got lucky at that point too. People, that's why I wasn't like pedoed. Like, oh, there's five minutes missing. I was like, oh, I didn't spend any money on it. I mean, right. I got it for free, and I still have my DVD. Just you know, so I mean. See, and when they <laughs> but when they, they when they get a, a a corrected version, you could scalp that then and be like, "Ooh, this is the original version that's out of print." <laughs> Make some money off of it. For the way, because I view myself as a collector, the way I view collecting is, I view scalpers as pieces of garbage. Yeah. Because they don't give a, they don't give a crap about whatever they're selling. They're just like, "Oh, this is out of print. Well, then I'm gonna sell this for this much because people will be desperate enough to buy it." Yep. Which usually isn't the case because the that stuff rarely sells when you put that price. Because yeah, you know people people aren't going to spend that type of money. <clears throat> I can't remember what movie it was, but there was a there was a movie a third party seller on Amazon a few years ago was selling something for like a thousand dollars. I was like, good luck, buddy. Nobody's going to spend that money on. <laughs> and it was like for a DVD too. I was like, yeah, right. <laughs> I can't remember what movie it was now, but just. Like, jeez, you people are nuts. Nobody's Ain't nobody spend paying a for that shit. <laughs> no, <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, I don't, I, that's why scalpers hurt the collecting industry. Mm-hmm. I typically, I'll, I'll take if if you 
if you could do it this way, I've got a store near me. They they do trade ins. I can get store credit from them. Yeah. And I'll trade stuff in so they can just put it on the shelf, and anybody who's collecting can walk into the store and be like, "Oh, hey, I need that for my collection," and pick it up. I mean, right. Is that that's the stuff I like to do? <clears throat> like I could have easily bought because they had it sitting on the shelf. Um, the uh. Halloween, the Curse of Michael Myers from the Shout Factory box set. Yes, they had they they, they were just selling that separately. It had both discs, and they're selling it for like six ninety nine. I could have oh, wow. taken that, and I could yeah, I could have went on eBay and been like forty bucks because you get all the special features. Or but I was like, nah, as I'm leaving it there for somebody who might actually want it or need it for their collection <laughs> instead of. I almost bought it to give it as a gift for somebody, but then I. That's I funny because which... I, I remember when people were doing that with that Curse of Michael Myers producer cut, you know, um, disc where people yeah, were, people were just taken out of the box set. But yeah. what's funny is like six months later, they released it separately. <laughs> it's like I feel bad for yeah. anybody that tried to buy it that <laughs> way because they ended up releasing it for like 20 bucks. And it was it's the exact same thing that they released for the box set, just separate. Well, Lionsgate released that. Because uh, they have the rights to that movie, the, mm-hmm. since the box the box set was limited and it doesn't include any of the special features. Are you it's sure? Just, it's yeah, it's just the oh. producer's cut only. All the all the special features Shout Factory produced themselves, so it's only available. Oh, okay, on okay. So that's why people were trying to sell it because you've got all these interviews with Daniel Harris and why she wasn't in the movie and the new you know I was her name Brandy. Uh, can't even think of her yeah. name now. This is yep. something out of here. But anyway, the, the new Jamie uh, Jamie Lloyd, um, you know. So, I mean, people are like, well, sell this because, you know, it's only going to be the special features are only on this big box set. So. <clears throat> That's funny. Cause some, I... people only bought the, some people only bought the box set back then because of well, That's why I bought it. Myers, but <laughs> that's why I, I bought it because... I bought it because, well, that's one of the reasons, but also H2O got was a full-blown special edition. Mm-hmm. And this is probably the only time, that was the only time we were going to have a box set with all these Halloween movies in it at the yeah, time. Yeah, that's true. So many different companies owned the rights to different different installments. It's, but yeah, <clears throat> The Taurus Trap, really, really good. I'd say underrated flick because you don't hear anybody talking no, about it. No, nobody talks about this movie, and it's sad. I mean... Yeah, I mean, Joe Bob. I mean, gave it some love last year for the twenty-four hour marathon that we all watched together. Yep. which it was great. Which yeah. uh, some some of the people in our group that was like the first time they saw the movie. So yeah, that, that was fun too. Their reactions and everybody loved it that hadn't seen it yet. Yeah, <clears throat> it's it's a great movie, and honestly, anybody that's listening to this, if you haven't seen it, please check it out. It is. Yes. It's definitely underrated. It's it's definitely cheesy, but I mean, come on, it's a fucking horror movie. Honestly, if, mm-hmm. if you're expecting Oscar-winning performances, don't fucking watch horror. Um, but this yeah. is a great horror movie. It's 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 got that '70s <clears throat> '80s feel. It's perfect. It's it's definitely you know PG, so it's not gory. So I mean, even this could be a good starting point for people, especially if you don't like gore or anything like that. Cause there's not a lot of anything in this, but it's, yeah, it's, it's got PG, I mean, it's, it's got good atmosphere. It's got a, it's got a wacky story. It's, it's just a great horror movie. Yep. I agree. Um, so kind of moving on from tourist trap, our number two pick for tonight. So once again, this is our top 10, uh, horror movies that take place during the summer or summer horror movies, however you want to put it. 
Um, we're doing one through five tonight, and then uh, next week we will finish up with um, six through ten. So our second movie is from 1981. Uh, it was directed by Tony Malum. Uh, we are talking about The Burning. The Burning. I loved this movie. Um, <laughs> Young one, Jason Alexander. <laughs> yes, with a full fucking head of hair. Yes, he's not balding yet. <laughs> no. The first time I saw this, I I saw him, and I'm like, that can't be George Costanza. It just can't be, because you watch Seinfeld, and he's fucking bald as a cue ball. And in this, he's got a full fucking head of hair. He's playing like a jock-type character. It's fucking great. It's like a total, complete 180 contrast in comparison to some of the other characters he's played in his career. And this is like... This is like a great starting point because it's like you you see his later work and you go back and you see this like holy shit, he was kind of a stud <laughs> back then. <laughs> but this one, um, so Tony Malin directed this. He didn't really direct a whole lot of things. He did a lot of documentaries though, a lot of documentaries. Um, and so this is uh, the burning is based off of Cropsey, which is a story. That was kind of told around the New York area. It's a, basically a New York urban legend. Um, they would tell it at a lot of summer camps and stuff like that. Um, you know, uh, basically the story starts out, um, you know, previously where they got this camp. I don't know if you want to camp janitor or whatever. He's like a groundskeeper or something like that. Yeah. And they're playing a prank on him. You know, they talk about how he's always drunk and all this stuff and all that crap. So he's, they're playing a prank. The, these kids are p- playing a prank on him. Um, as he's sleeping, they have this head, um, you know, put candles and it's got like worms and shit all in there. And they put it right next to his bed and, you know, he wakes up, he sees the head, uh, he's freaking out and knocks the head into his bed starts his whole bed on fire, you know, sets him on fire. And then he runs out, blah, 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 rolls down the hill, whatever. And so, you know, he ends up, you know, being taken to the hospital, really badly burned, doesn't really heal properly or whatever. And he wants to seek revenge on children, um, you know, <laughs> at summer camps and whatnot. So that's kind of, you know, kind of the premise uh, uh, of this. And um, this is uh, another, uh, um, you know, Tom Savini's done a lot of makeup effects. This is another one that he did, um, which is great, too. I mean, his effects are always good. Yeah. For for the rest of this episode, I'll refer to him as Groundskeeper Willie because that's what he reminds me of anyway. <laughs> yeah, kind of, <laughs> definitely. I must save the wee turtles. <laughs> ah, someone save me from the wee turtles. They're too big for me. Yep. <laughs> yeah, uh, the burning. I mean, it's it's everything you said. I mean, it is a slasher flick. The characters are likable. Jason Alexander, I love his character. His character's funny. Just in a different way than George Costanza, as you said, right. a 180. Um, you only really have one character you don't like, the the jerk um, character who, who just thinks he's the stud or he's the tough guy, whatever. You know, he's he's the only Mr. character you Mr. Premature really Ejaculation. <laughs> as, as Sean would say, two pump chump. <laughs> but uh, 
Yeah, it's a good movie. Effects are good. You have a young Fisher Stevens from the Short Circuit movies. Oh yeah, he's in yeah. this movie too. Yeah, he's he's the he's the one who gets his fingers cut off by the garden shears during the big right. rat massacre. Oh, that that That's... fucking scene. That yeah. that scene built up so much, and it's so intense as they're coming up to that fucking canoe. Oh my yeah. god, that's like the best scene in the whole movie for me. I mean, it it really does a good job of building the suspense going up to there. And when when he just pops out of there and just starts fucking going to town, it's like the payoff is just mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. Number five couldn't save Fisher Stevens that time. <laughs> nope. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I think it's funny too how... Uh... Tom Savini said he purposely did the burning to avoid doing Friday 13th Part 2 because he thought Friday 13th Part 2 was stupid. <laughs> Which, personally, this is my personal opinion. Friday 13th Part 2, I prefer to the burning, but right. the burning's still a good slasher movie. But it's just funny. He's like, oh, Jason's running around. That's stupid. I'm going to do the burning. <laughs> just imagine <laughs> that conversation when they're calling it. Like, hey, you want to do Friday 13th Part 2? No. <laughs> no. Oh, I'm doing you. the burning doing the burning they were like oh, okay <laughs> i think they filmed like both movies were filmed like really close to each other too i could be wrong if uh, i remember correctly it might have been i i don't really know yeah. on my end so i can't say for sure but it might have been um but i mean overall with this this movie has got like kind of everything that you would typically want especially with like an 80 slasher movie i mean you got uh-huh. the setting obviously it's in the summer summer camp Kind of like Friday the 13th. Why he chose to do this over Friday the 13th Part 2, I don't know. Because it's basically kind of the same story. It's like serial killer, yeah. summer camp, so on and so forth. But, um, I mean... Specific the... reason. He, sa- he said it on camera. He says, I thought it was stupid that Jason was running around. So, you know, yeah. I either had Friday the 13th Part 2 or The Burning. He's like, I did The Burning because I thought it was a stupid <laughs> idea. That's exactly why. But yeah. then, you know, he came back for the final chapter because he's right. like, well... I, I technically created Jason, so I get to kill him. I'm just like, uh, I wonder how much money they paid you. <laughs> right. Question for <laughs> but yeah, that's that's old Tom Savini though. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, you got the setting, um, like you said, the characters. Um, well, I, no, you said that about the last movie, but even the characters in here are, 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 are likable. Um, obviously, you got Jason mm-hmm. Alexander. I mean, um, you've got kind of every span of aspect of, of of characters too i mean you've got the geeks you got the jocks you got the the girls you know the cheerleaders you know whatever the case may be n- nerds kind of a little mm-hmm. bit of everything um the music is great in this movie too um you got that classic 80s you know synth um yep. kind of horror music that's awesome um it, it this i mean it's got the tna too for you know those that like to watch these movies for that it's got a lot of that in there um it's kind of got everything for everybody and obviously the the thing that sells me on this is is definitely the kills in this movie i mean like you were you know mentioned before what that raft scene the kid getting his fucking fingers chopped off you know yeah limbs you know coming off everywhere you know throats being slit um people being impaled by those scissors i mean Mm -hmm. you've got everything 
even you know right down to the end end scene you know you got the killer walking around with the fucking flamethrower <laughs> i mean yeah. you know in the, yeah. the abandoned mine that they found to film in i mean you've got that too and then you know him you know the big reveal of his face towards the end too i mean that fucking makeup was great you know because mm-hmm. obviously tom savini does a great job and then you know him being burned alive at the end i mean it, it's got everything it's 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 overall it's it's a decent movie i mean it's not the greatest movie but you know for no. the early 80s independent movies but for what it is yeah yeah it's it's great and it's a great summer movie too yeah um moral so, of the story don't burn groundskeeper willie okay people don't 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 pull pranks on the poor <laughs> groundskeeper of these summer camps you know they're they, they, they're doing their job okay just, just leave them alone yeah they'll come back to fucking kill you if you fuck with them well so. that's that that's the thing he didn't kill the kids that did that to him he was just killing a random group of kids that had nothing to do with his burning well i mean still he he did it because <laughs> campers wronged him so he's gonna go kill any campers he fucking can find so i was just saying that adds that that adds a more dark aspect to because these kids they, you know they didn't do right. anything wrong they're they're and innocent. he's just like i'm gonna i'm gonna chop you up fisher stevens your fingers are mine they were what <laughs> right. <laughs> oh man that's good <clears throat> Yeah, I, I rewatched that movie today um, to kind of get ready for this, and <laughs> I, I I love it every time I watch it. I, I it's one of those movies I personally just don't get tired of. Um, it's it's just great, especially Jason Alexander. He's always great to see in this movie. Just it's it's mm-hmm. just such a stark contrast to what he normally plays. So it's great. Yeah, he's he's always great to watch. Yeah, Jason Alexander. Um, so kind of moving on from there, we're going back to the seventies. Um, so we're going to the year 1977 for our next movie for number three. Um, this is an early Wes Craven film. And if you don't know who Wes Craven is, why the fuck are you a horror movie fan? Um, but no, seriously. Um, you know, Wes Craven, last house on the left, a nightmare on Elm street scream. He's kind of done it all. People under the stairs. I mean, he was around for a long time doing a lot of movies. But um, mm-hmm. for summer movies, one of the most perfect ones you could think of when it comes to being in the summer, because obviously they're in the fucking desert in the middle of summer, is The Hills Have Eyes. Oh, I love this movie. So this one was great. Um, I mean, I, I seen it you know, <clears throat> when I was younger. Um, but I went actually for a long time without seeing it up until Joe Bob actually did the, um, the dinners of death, um, you know, uh, yeah. marathon that they did for Thanksgiving. Um, and obviously this was one of the movies that they did. And, um, you know, and I, I didn't know about kind of the backstory for it, you know, before then, you know, and Joe Bob spent like 20 minutes going through, you know, what the movie is based off of and had a whole map and everything and kind of mapped out everything like he normally does. Cause Joe Bob's just fucking <laughs> awesome like that. But they, you know, um, so the story is based off of the legend of Swanee Bean and um, his family um, who actually inhabited the highlands of Scotland. And this was like in the early 1400s, I think it is what it was. 
Around that time period, yeah. Yeah, so basically, um, this clan of feral fucking cannibals would capture, torture, and then ate several people over, you know, whatever span of time it was, um, before they were finally, um, caught, um, uh, by, uh, you know, uh, and then... When they were caught. they got caught because because somebody got away. They were attacking somebody. They got away and mm-hmm. uh, notified the uh, the proper authorities. And the authorities, they just did this massive search and they yep. found the cave where it was like three or four generations of that family already in that cave. Yeah. So it's like holy crap. Yeah, and then you know, kind of the end of that story was that uh, basically they were declared just insane and they, they didn't even stand a trial. They were just fucking executed. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the whole clan. So, I mean, that's kind of where the story was kind of based off of um, for this. And obviously you have the people that live in the hills, you know, um, and, you know, they, they're cannibals, all, all that shit. So, you know, that that's kind of all kind of established and, and whatnot. Um, honestly, this is one of my favorite Wes Craven movies. Um, I, yeah, mine too. Yeah. Um, you know, besides Nightmare on Elm Street, um, besides, I, I don't know. This would probably be, this would probably be my second favorite, second or third favorite um, Craven movie. Um, and it's probably tied with uh, Last House on the Left. Um, cause I, I love both of those movies. So they're both mm-hmm. either going to be ranked two or three, depending on it. And it, for me, it changes too, cause I can go back and forth with, with the, with the Craven movies and, but the, those yeah. two are typically number two and number three, but it's, it's definitely high up on my list. Um, I mean, you got D Wallace in this movie, um, which who doesn't love D Wallace? I mean, D Wallace is great. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't talking that because I mean, just D Wallace. Uh, I, I love awesome. me some young D Wallace. Okay, she was a beautiful. Yeah, woman. yeah, she she is. That's true. You don't sound enthusiastic, Isaiah. You, you, well, you show her some. You show her some respect. Well, D Wallace. For when I think sake. D Wallace, I think of E T. I think of her as a mom or a Cujo. I mean, because I seen those way before I saw The Hills Have Eyes. So I, I never thought of her in that way just because <laughs> I always thought of her as the mom figure. <clears throat> but Yeah, excuses, excuses. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Anyways, um, but there are a lot of similarities between this and Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and that was definitely done on purpose. And it was done on yeah. purpose because... Um, Craven is uh, Wes Craven has said that he absolutely loved um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which was obviously made by uh, Toby Hooper, um, and that came out in '74, obviously before uh, Hills Have Eyes came out. So you can see the similarities, and it was it, it was great to see you know how he loved that movie, and he incorporated you know things into his movie um, to tell his story that you know. We're basically like an inspiration for him for, that he got from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm-hmm. Yep, I love just for me. I love the whole dynamics of just these two families fighting against each other. Yep, that's what it is. it's basically um, nature versus technology. Um, 
not much technology, mind you. I mean, we're in the right, you know, late seventies. You got CB radios and stuff. But I mean, basically, uh, nature. I should say, nature versus civilization is the better analogy for it. Here you right. have these crazy people living in the desert, killing, eating people. Then you have this normal family who's just on a vacation, going to visit this mine that they're that the patriarch has uh, of the family has inherited. Yep. Uh, was a silver mine and everything just goes insane. I love the characters on both sides. I love Ruby. The she hates being part of this clan. That's why a lot of people believe that she was like a kidnapped baby and not like actually blood related to the rest of the family. Hmm. But um you got that character you've got of course, um you got Michael Berryman as Pluto. He was standing out in this movie. Always yep. Yep. I love, I love the story he has where he said that he went to uh, just a screening of the movie just in a in a normal theater, sit with the crowd, and um, he said that there was a woman sitting near him. And she said, the people who made this movie are sick. And so he tapped her on the shoulder, shoulder and he said, you know what, lady? You are right. <laughs> so, I don't know if she realized it was ever enough. <laughs> He said that on the documentary. I just love that. I love Michael Berry, man. He's a great guy. He is a great guy. He's one of the nice... Just like Daniel Harris. He's like one of the nicest guys you could meet at some of these conventions. I mean, he's so approachable. I mean, he's he's great. Yeah, I love I love all the... I guess I can't say I love all the movies he's done, but I love seeing him in anything because it's great to see. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, he's great. Both families are great. I mean, this is one of the only horror films... That actually gave me nightmares the night I watched the movie. <laughs> oh wow! Uh, true, true story. I had a night after watching the movie for the first time. I, I would go to sleep, and I had a nightmare where actually Pluto was chasing me. <laughs> it was crazy. Jeez. Oh, uh, I I, st- I still remember the dream, man. It's just I remember like going around this big boulder and he's like right behind me with that knife and like trying to get me and we're like squeezing in between these little cracks it's just it's horrifying it's like him and him and michael myers man freaking nightmares (laughs) (laughs) oh that's great that gave you nightmares like nightmare elm street gave me nightmares when i first saw that with freddie in the fucking shower and you know I don't know if I told that when, I, when we were talking about this uh, no. the last time. So I don't yeah. think I ever I got into that. So basically, um, when I first saw Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, I know I said on a previous episode that um, I had like nightmares for two weeks, and it was a it was kind of like the same nightmare um, over and over. Basically, what it was is uh, from what I can remember, and it, what I do remember is very vivid. Um, you could because I was I was young. I was like five or six when I first you know saw the movie. Um, Mm-hmm. So I, I remember in my dream, I was walking and I heard the shower going in the bath bathroom um, and I heard humming. And as I got closer to the bathroom door, it got louder and louder. Obviously, I opened the door and then all of a sudden I heard, you know, a child's voice just start doing the the, the Freddy rhyme. So the one, <laughs> two, Freddy's coming for you. So that whole thing. So. I'm not in control of my body. So it's not like I'm leaving the room. I'm like getting closer to the shower as it gets louder and the voice mm-hmm. gets deeper. And the voice oh. just keeps getting deeper and deeper and deeper until finally it's it's like deep like Freddy's voice. I wouldn't say it was exactly like Freddy's voice because you're talking about the mind of a fucking six-year-old. And mm-hmm. um, 
you know, just me. Your subconscious, though. Yeah. You're like, it's Freddy. It's Freddy. Exactly. <laughs> and then all, all I remember is my arm reaching up to pull open the shower curtain because it's a fucking dream and I have no control. And then I would <laughs> wake up and it was so frightening. And it happened for almost a two week stretch, that same fucking dream. And it was so scary, and it was so terrifying, and it made me so not want to ever watch that movie again. And that's why, like, when <laughs> my cousin would basically made me watch Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, uh, when I was a little bit older, and I kind of freaked out, and my aunt told me just to go watch it, and then that was kind of the end of it. And I loved horror movies after that. But that yeah. is all because of that fucking dream and me watching half of the fucking movie. I didn't even watch the whole movie. I watched half the fucking movie up until I think where they're going to f- go to where Nancy goes in the dream to go find Rod in the jail cell basically mm-hmm. when he dies. So that's kind of where I made it up to before I'm like, I can't do this shit anymore. So that's <laughs> good. So that was, that was basically the story behind that dream. But yeah. So you had kind of the same kind of experience with you had a bad nightmare after watching this movie and Michael Berryman, sweet Michael Berryman, just chasing you around dressed Pluto with the fucking knife. That's just yes. classic. <laughs> yeah, really him and, uh, him and Myers, they, they're the ones that really give me my nightmares. You know, Jason, I might've had like one dream, which wasn't really anything. Yeah. And, uh, for Freddie, I haven't. I I never really. I didn't dream about him either. Is Myers was the big one because I mean Halloween's what got me into the horror in the first place. But still, yep. Myers scared the crap out of me. Um, so yeah, it's it's just funny the way you know movies uh, alter, especially when you're young and you're subconscious, and it's just it's just one of those things. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Like Wes Craven, like Wes Craven always said, horror films they don't create fear, they release fear. So. Yep, I agree. Yeah. So, so we talk about that. La- or not last house on the left, but Hills Have Eyes. So something a little bit more serious. We're gonna move into something a little bit more fun now. Um, so this is another. So there. So number four on our list is actually two movies. It's the original and a remake of a movie. So we are talking about um, 1978 and 2010, respectively, Piranha. Um, obviously, the the original one uh, was from New World Pictures. Um, it was directed by Joe Dante. Joe Dante, mm-hmm. I'm sure you've heard of. He did Rock and Roll High School, The Howling, Gremlins, Gremlins 2, and then my personal favorite, The Burbs. I love The Burbs. And so, you know, he's he's got a great filmography. Um, he's done a lot of work. Um, and the one thing uh, with this movie is Roger Corman made this, obviously, after Jaws came out. And he said that this was his homage to, jo- to Jaws, basically. And um, what's funny is that Universal, even though he was making this as kind of like an homage to Jaws... Universal wanted to sue them for spoofing Jaws, but Steven Spielberg actually fucking loved the movie. Yeah, and said, "Leave him alone." That's basically that's what that was Spielberg's response to Universal: "Leave him alone." <laughs> <laughs> and because but, of Piranha, we did get Gremlins. I mean, if it wasn't yeah. for Piranha, we wouldn't have got Gremlins. Exactly. Or Gremlins too. I mean. Yeah. Who knows if he would have actually had a fucking 
career after career. that if, if we didn't get <laughs> fucking Piranha. I would never got The Burbs, and The Burbs is like my favorite comedy horror movie. Um, and yeah, I mean, I would have never gotten that if we didn't get this fucking movie. And this this movie's great. I mean, it's low budget. It's about as low budget as you could probably get for because <laughs> Roger <laughs> Corman he loves his low budget B movies that he makes, and he's great at it. And I yeah. wouldn't expect anything different from him. I wouldn't want anything different from him. If it's not low budget nope. from Roger Corman, I don't give a fuck. This movie's great. <laughs> um, that, you know, the, the, the big, you know, scene with, um, you know, in the lake and everything with everybody starting to get attacked by the piranha, that's always good. Yep. And, uh, I mean... Dick over... Miller as the owner of the resort. He's yep. great. Dick Miller's always great. Dick Miller's great in everything he does. Yeah. Everything, everything he ever did, he was great in. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, I Choppy mean, Mall, he was great as the janitor. Yep. <laughs> yeah, he was in the Burbs too. He played one of the garbage yeah. men in the Burbs. Yeah, he was. He was Joe Dante's uh, man. Yep. Go to man. I mean, he's in both Gremlins. I mean, uh, rest in peace, Dick Miller. He had the Howling. He was in the yep. Howling. He was yes, the bookstore guy. I mean. Yeah, he was kind of all over the place. Uh, I miss, I miss Miss Dick Miller. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, this was a great movie. Um, you know, even because it's been a while since I've watched it, I, I don't remember if it was really that gory. I I don't quite remember. It's 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 got moments of it where like you people's. You see people's flesh being like that have been ripped off from the fish eating parts of their faces and stuff. Okay. Um, I mean it is rated R for um, yeah, obviously. But you know it's not it's not gory gory. I mean it's not a gore film. It's just got some of that to you know it's the exploitation element yep. of it. It's it's nothing you know the guts or anything like that. Right. So in contrast to that. Obviously, you have the remake from 2010. Um, that one <laughs> a was different... a complete gore fest. Now, that one was um, directed by Alexander Aja, who did actually another yeah. remake of the previous movie we just got done talking about. So he did the 2006 version of The Hills Have Eyes. Um, mm-hmm. I actually really like this movie because um, it doesn't take itself seriously. Which no, is it doesn't. kind of what you want with something like this. Um, it's meant to be silly. I mean, you know, the Piranha... I mean, obviously it was um, named Piranha 3D. So it, it got mm-hmm. on the hype train for, you know, the whole 3D craze that kind of died out. Um, yeah. I mean, the Piranha, they didn't look real, but they didn't need to because it was a fucking low budget... It meant to look like a low-budget horror movie. Um, mm-hmm. You have a lot of great actors in that movie. I mean, you've got Elizabeth Shue. you got Ving Rhames. Mm-hmm. Jerry yep. O'Connell. Christopher Lloyd, Adam Scott, <laughs> you even got Eli Roth making a cameo appearance like he does in a lot of movies. And then you've got yeah. Richard fucking D- Dreyfus in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Wearing the same getup he wore in Jaws. Fucking <laughs> in fishing on a boat. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. I mean, it's such a good fucking movie. Um, I, I know a lot of people that... I've come into contact with they either love or hate it. I I don't I don't understand you know why people would hate this. It's it's 
it's meant to be a silly fucking gory movie. It's just meant to be kind of a popcorn horror flick. It's it's not meant to be taken seriously at all. And it's, no, it was that's never where it shines. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just a goofy movie is all it is. It's not meant to be anything else. No right. more, no less. You know, one one thing unlike, that I... Unlike the 90... Go ahead, go ahead. Um, I was I was just gonna say the one thing that really kind of caught me off guard with this movie, and I didn't know this until recently, is that the MPAA didn't demand any cuts from this movie at all. They didn't demand them to cut anything from this movie. <laughs> I guess uh, they've they've mellowed out since the eighties. <laughs> I know the 80s, but... they were on a rampage. For oh God, yeah. It just it just so... kind of blew my mind because this this movie is nothing but gore and i'm I'm just really surprised that they didn't make them cut anything it, just see, the movie, it came out and it came out in 2010 yeah at, at this point a lot of stuff doesn't really get cut out anymore it's all about money that's all it is yeah true you you, you, you slip the the secretary five bucks your movie gets off without <laughs> any cuts <laughs> you're like here's mr lincoln that decapitation scene stays in. And the secretary's <laughs> like, I got it covered. But yeah, I mean, it was, uh, <laughs> it's just cartoony. Yeah. <laughs> essentially, I guess it's like, it's just a live action cartoon, essentially. It's like the 1995 Piranha remake is basically just a shot for, almost a shot for shot remake and takes itself seriously. Yeah. And so, uh, the 2010 version is completely different from that. Oh, it's a night and day, and it's 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 well worth it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> where else are you gonna get fucking Vingrams being like a badass, going out like a badass? I mean, he runs out of fucking shotgun shells, and he fucking takes the motor off the back of a boat and just starts fucking <laughs> mowing down piranha in the fucking lake as he's being just taken under and just being destroyed by these piranha, just trying to get these people out of the lake. I mean, how more badass can you go out? <laughs> I mean, than that. I mean, holding a fucking well, motor from a boat. Did you see the sequel? No, I haven't actually seen the sequel. Ving Rhames is in it. He lives. He, he, he lived? Die and... Yeah, oh, he's, wow. he's in the sequel. But but he has a, a titanium legs like uh, Lieutenant Dan from Forrest Gump. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> so he lost, it. he lost his legs, but he's still alive. <laughs> And Christopher Lloyd came back too for the sequel for a small cameo. Okay. The the, the sequel um, it's directed by uh, John Gulliger, who um, um, did uh, the Feast movies, so he okay. directed the sequel. And it's not really a long sequel. I think it's like just barely. I want to say like an hour and ten minutes or something like that. I watched it once. Okay. And um, but yeah. Uh, Gary Busey and John's father, Clue Gulliger, they have a small role in the beginning. <laughs> and uh, the movie's, I mean, the sequel's just as cartoony uh, as the 2010 yeah. version. So, you know. But, uh, yeah, they, if I remember the, the town that the Piranha attacked, like, went bankrupt, and it's, like, basically a dead town now. Okay, and, and so and so it takes place like in an, another town where they're like opening up a water park or something like that. It's been a while since I've seen it. It didn't. It, it's it's kind of forgettable, but yeah, I mean it is a sequel, Piranha Three Double D or or Piranha Double D, however you know. Yeah, whichever version you get, but 
But yeah, Ving Rhames lived. He's he's in the sequel. Awesome. Okay. And David David Hasselhoff is in the sequel too, which was funny. I thought that's, <laughs> I remember that's laughing the, at that. Okay, so that's the only thing I actually remember about the sequel was David Hasselhoff being in there. Because I remember. Okay, yeah. so I I did see part of um the second one because I was in a okay. like a party room at a convention and they were playing Piranha. Three double D or whatever the fuck you want to call it, um, and mm-hmm. I remember it, it was him running into the fucking pool to save a kid or something like that, and they were playing the Baywatch theme. Yes, <laughs> that's the the only thing I remember from that old fucking thing from the small part I seen was that, and I'm like, oh god, that's good. Them just playing off the whole Baywatch thing was great, um, but yeah, that, that's the only part I, I actually seen in that that whole movie. So that that's cool that Ving Rhames actually <laughs> lived because I thought he was fucking dead. Yeah, they brought him back, and he he was. I mean, his role is small too, but um, if I remember correctly, they present him as like the hero of the disaster that happened. You know, he lost his leg saving people or something like that. Okay. And then when the piranha when the piranha attacked this place, he saved some kids, and he he starts taking them out left and right, like he's you know just just being Ving Rhames. It's awesome, and he doesn't get attacked or 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 he doesn't die in the sequel either. He just it's a really small role, actually. Okay. I think he only shows up at the end for the attack when they're presenting him, you know. <clears throat> and then the attack happens, and then, you know, he does this thing, saves some kids and beats the crap out of some piranha, kills them. <laughs> wow. But, I mean, it was cool that they it's cool that they brought him back. Uh, yeah. No, definitely. Yeah, that, that that's awesome. Uh, I definitely didn't know that. that that's good. Because yeah. I, I, I never even thought to look into the, the second movie at all for anything, but that that's great. <laughs> um, going back to the, uh, the remake, though. Um, so, and I, I, you know, obviously it's a very gory movie, a lot of blood. They used like 75,000 gallons of fake blood each day that they were doing this. Um, especially <laughs> for that massacre scene. I'm, I'm sure it's not, it wasn't every day of their 42-day shooting schedule. But obviously yeah. for the nine days that they spent doing that whole massacre, I'm sure each day that's they use 75,000 gallons of fake blood, which is a massive, massive amount of blood. Um, mm-hmm. And that whole massacre scene, it, it's like it's a lot like the originals massacre scene or however you want to call it, um, but just upped like 150,000 times. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's just so much. Steroids have been injected into it. Yeah, that's what it is. But um, it just went more over the top too, and everything. <laughs> yeah, which was great because um, it was just so out there. And then it's like some of those people, you're just like, yes, I want you to fucking die because you're such an annoying piece of shit. <laughs> Jerry O'Connell. <laughs> yes, he bit my dick off. <laughs> and the piranha spits it out afterwards. Oh my god, that was good. Um, uh, so one thing I was reading is that, um, the director, Alexander Aja, uh, was originally actually planning to have Joe Dante and James Cameron cameo as boat captains in here that were, um, you know, giving safety lessons. And the I only, didn't know that. That's great. Yeah. And the, I guess the <laughs> only reason why it didn't happen was because James Cameron was busy at the time, but Joe Dante really wanted to do it pretty badly. Nice, <laughs> and that would have been a great, you know, callback to the original one, and then obviously Piranha Two um, that James Cameron did, which 
we yeah. won't we won't really talk about that. But um, <laughs> <laughs> for obvious reasons. But um, that would have been a good callback to you know the original movies. Um, I, I think that would have been great if they could have organized that and gotten that to actually mm-hmm. work. Yeah, that would have been great. But yeah, Piranha movies. I, I absolutely I absolutely love the original and this remake. I'm gonna have to check out the the sequel to the remake just to get me some more Ving Rhames and see him alive and well <laughs> and kicking ass like always. But um, yeah. So those those are um you know the ones that we chose for the fourth position on this um because they they kind of go hand in hand. I mean it's basically the same story kind of done over again, just in like you said injected with steroids basically and just yeah pumped up to the maximum you know that it could be um that's how i view that's how i view like friday 13th part two or halloween four they, yeah. they just took the original and they just pumped steroids into it basically yeah um so to kind of um end things off here for our fifth and final one for tonight and then we'll continue with the final five of our top 10 summer horror movies next week so our final one for tonight num- at the number five position is uh, from 1981, uh, directed by Mr. Joseph Zito, who directed Friday the 13th Final Chapter, uh, Blood Rage, Missing in Action, Invasion USA. Um, actually, this this I didn't know. I didn't know that he directed um, the Alice Cooper music video for He's Back, The Man Behind the Mask for Part 6. Yes, he did. I yes. didn't. I didn't know that, and that was like news to me. Um, and I thought that was pretty cool because I, I didn't know that he did that. Um, <laughs> but that was kind of exciting to find out that he did two different things with the Friday the 13th franchise. But um, but we're not talking about Friday the 13th tonight. We are talking about uh, The Prowler. And this is actually the, the movie that actually got him the um, selected to do Friday the 13th, the final chapter. Well, it showed him, it showed that he could uh, frame shots. Yeah. Okay, I'll be <laughs> facetious. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look at the special effects on this sucker. I mean, he could film them. I mean, Tom mm-hmm. Zanini is in, of course, top form, as he always is doing the yep. special effects for this movie. <laughs> now, there's some brutal deaths in this movie. It's like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, this is another one, one uh, another perfect example of 80s horror. I mean, it, it has everything. And if, if you watch this and watch Friday the 13th Final Chapter, you can see that it's done by the same people. I mean, with Savini mm-hmm. and, and Joseph Zito directing, it's got a lot of the same kind of feel. Um, obviously, it's not the same story. It's not in the same setting. Um, you know, you've got um, them, what was it, like a dance that they were at was kind of the big portion of it. For the college, yeah. it was like a graduation, and that's kind of where all this is taking place is after a college graduation. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, the kills were spectacular in this, obviously, because Tom Savini did it. Yeah, Tom Tom Savini, he, he, he didn't want to do the burning, too, so he did the prowler. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> No, Tom Savini, his, of course, we've mentioned it already tonight before. His, his special effect work is always top-notch, and there's some great stuff in this movie. Yeah. Um, 
You know, one thing that stood out to me is always that that one death scene that like took place in the pool. It's just so much blood. Yes, <laughs> that one is definitely a memorable one, um, for sure. Um, yeah, with Savini, I mean, he did such good work in this movie, and he 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 did say that he considers this like his best work that he's done in 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 movies, and it's it's clearly obvious to see why i mean he did such a spectacular job with with everything with this i mean from all the kills um you know all, all the design everything and it, it it was it was great i mean it i i definitely would probably agree um for the most part it, it probably was some of his best work now on i i'd probably say it's right up there with part four because uh, i love the effects in part four too that he did um, uh-huh. especially, you know, that ending scene in part four, um, for Friday the 13th, where, you know, the machete through the head and everything and sliding down the machete. I mean, yeah, for eighties effects, you can't really top that. I mean, it, it was great. No. I will say, I, th- I think his best work would be day of the dead. I probably, I, mean, I think that's his best. Now work. that I think about it. Yeah. I, I think you're probably right there. I mean, Yeah. I, I think that probably would even top uh, final chapter for me, because I mean that's some that's some good stuff in that one. Yeah, I mean even to see how far he came from uh, doing Dawn of the Dead to Day of the Dead. I mean, there's just strat just a huge difference um, mm-hmm. in 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 how things were done for you know between the two even, and it it looks so realistic with a lot of things in in Day of the Dead. Yeah, I, I think I probably would agree with you there. Um, that that's probably his best work. Um, but I mean, it, it's all kind of close with around that time frame, with mm-hmm. when they did this final chapter, and, early to mid eighties. Yeah. yeah, that that I think that era was definitely his probably his best work um, for special effects. Yeah, don't forget Creep Show too. He did Creep yep, Show. Creep Show. Yep. Also. Definitely. Oh, Creep Show. But. Yeah, Prowler, uh, great story, great atmosphere, everything about it's great. I, 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 I don't think there's one thing about that movie that I can complain of. Um, I, I, it, it's one of those movies that I will pop in probably once every few months to watch. Um, yeah, it's it's just that good of a movie. Yeah, it's got some. It's got a really good atmosphere to it. But yeah, I mean, this is kind of just uh, our list. I mean. You know, we'd love to hear what you guys think, or even to hear what you guys think are, are going to be our final five movies that we're going to be talking about next week. You know, feel free to keep in touch with us uh, through our Facebook page, facebook.com slash CLS podcast. We have our website, obviously, www.clspodcast.com. Reach out to us through um, social media as well on other channels. We just opened up an Instagram account. You can find us at CLS podcast there, as well as on Twitter at CLS podcast. But, um, yeah, this, this discussion definitely is not done next week. We should have Sean and Mark back and we will be talking about the final five in our list of summer horror movies, but definitely we would love to hear from you guys and hear what you guys think. But uh, until next week, uh, we appreciate you guys checking out our podcast as always, and we will see you next time. And as always, children, see you next week. Thanks for joining us today for the CLS Podcast. Check us out at www.clspodcast.com.
clspodcast.com or join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag clspodcast. Until next time, stay safe, campers. Campers.